about a subject. Some of you are going to think it's sort of funny. But, uh, you know, in the, in the world that we live in, they talk about generations. And pe- people are categorized by the years that they were born, they ca- a generation. Now, in the natural, you're in a certain generation by your birth. But spiritually, you have a choice of the generation you can choose. You can choose to be a part of the generation that didn't go in and possess the promised land. Or you can be a part of the Joshua generation that went in and possessed the promised land. Now, you see, what, what we need to understand and realize is our promised land is our Christian life down here. That's our promised land. Our Christian life down here and what the Word of God says. Some people say, well, you know, they want heaven as the promised land. No, it couldn't be because there's not any battles to be fought in heaven. But down here, we, we're, we, we, we sometimes have to fight a few battles. Just like the children of Israel did. They had to possess the land. You have to possess what belongs to you according to the Word of God. Now, that Joshua and a generation, they had certain characteristics. The Joshua generation, they believed the report of the Lord above all others. They obeyed the instructions even when it didn't make sense in the natural. Uh, they weren't afraid of the giants, in the, and uh, they were courageous enough to go where they'd never gone before. Now, if you go to Joshua 1, 1, and let's start reading here, Joshua 1. I'm reading from the New Living tonight. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, it's time has come for you to lead these people, the, the Israelites, across the Jordan River to the land I'm giving them. Then he goes on and gives them instruction. And then in verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turn neither to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be prosperous and succeed in all you do. This is my command. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. <clears throat> be, <clears throat> I lost my place there. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I'm just learning how to... Uh, my son, he preaches from his iPad all the time. I told him... I, I still got notes here. I said, if your battery runs out, you're in trouble. <laughs> and right then, it sort of, I was trying to scroll it, and it sort of jumped where it didn't need to be, and I had to get it back where I was. <laughs> but, you know, uh, he told him to be strong and courageous. The, very, he, the reason that he was emphasizing be strong and courageous because when you begin to possess the Word of God, what God says belongs to you as you walk out your Christian life, it, it takes some courage because everybody's telling you it can't be and it can't happen. 
and you're going against the grain. It takes courage to resist fear. It takes courage to be a part of, a, of the Joshua generation. Now, you can be a part of the old generation if you want to that sits down and tells you all the reasons why it can't be done. Or you can be a part of the Joshua generation that said, I don't understand it. It doesn't look like it's possible in the natural, but if God said it, here we go. That's the Joshua generation. You see, and then in, in verse 10 of this first chapter, Joshua commanded the officers of Israel to go through the camp, tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you'll cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that your God is giving you. Now, I want you to notice what the people said back to Joshua in verse 18. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your orders and everything you commanded will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. Now, this is the younger people that had to spend 40 years in the wilderness because their mothers and fathers and grandmothers wouldn't follow God into the promised land. They're tired of the wilderness. And they said, hey, and, and you see, we think of wilderness as trees and all of that. No, you go, you go to the Holy Land, wilderness is desert. I mean complete desert. It's, that's what they call wilderness. These young, these young people, you remember that everybody from, from 20 years old and, by, and down all passed away. And the 19, this is the 19-year-olds and down that have now grown up. And they said, Joshua, anybody that rebels against you and don't obey the words, everything you command will be put to death. They were tired of the wilderness. <laughs> Come on now. We need to get to the point just like those people that we get tired of what the devil is trying to do to us and rise up like that Joshua generation did. They got themselves ready to go across and to possess the promised land. You see, in the natural, God told them to pack up and get ready to go. Get ready to cross the, the Jordan River. Now, I want you to notice that here they are getting ready to cross into the promised land. Now we gotta go, we got if we're gonna go there, we gotta go to Joshua three. Joshua three. Go to Joshua three. And and uh, stay with me on this, okay? Joshua three. And uh, it says early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the could grow, arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Now, he gave instructions to the people. When, verse 3. See, this is three days later when the officers went through the camp. He told them, okay, we're going now. This is, this is after three days. Back in the first part, I told them, three days we're going to do something. Now the third day, uh, they're giving these instructions to people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and move out from your positions and follow them, since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you, stay about a half a mile behind and keep a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Now I want you to notice something here. They, all of, when they camp. They had the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, they call it. 
and, and, and each tribe had a place that they camped around that. The Levitical tribe of Levi, which is the Levitical, they're the ones that were the high priest and the priest, and everybody in the tribe of Levi had some, some part to do with, uh, with the, the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. There were certain individuals that carried the ark. They had stuck poles through it, carried it on the shoulder. They didn't touch it. What was in that ark? The power and the presence of God. So they were to follow the power of God. All right? Now, I want you to notice, so the people left there, in verse 14 of this third chapter, left the, uh, their camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark. The harvest season, it was harvest season, and Jordan was overflowing its banks. Here is a river that is overflowing the banks. I don't know, uh, y'all may not have it out here, but down in, in fact, they just had it yesterday, and they had so much rain, they had so quickly, they had floods. In fact, uh, Sheridan and, and Memorial uh, 41st Street, uh, there was so much water that a car was in there, and a guy drowned in his car, and uh, we have flash floods. I don't know whether y'all know it or not, but three feet of fast-moving water will move a vehicle. It will take a vehicle and move it. Now, here they are. This river's at flood stage. <laughs> Anybody with any sense knows you don't go into a flood stage river. But it says here, but the, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the river's edge, the water above the point began backing up a great distance away to a town called Adam, which is near Zaratan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near a town of Jericho. Now, here's something interesting that you need to get a hold of. It wasn't until the priest carrying the power of God's feet touched the water that anything happened. Also, I want you to notice most people think about, well, the water popped up on both sides. No, it just popped up on one side because the river, the river Jordan starts way up in north Israel and flows down all the way to the Dead Sea. And if you read there, it said it stacked up to a place called Adam and the rest of it flowed away. If you, if you stack up the incoming source, this will flow on down. Uh, I was just over there a few years, uh, what, four years ago this June, I think, and we did, we took a, some of our RMI ministers and a couple of three, some people from our church, and uh, we were at the Jordan River, and our guide, Romy, he is a Messianic Jew. Not only were we getting the historical side of it, but he also is a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and we were getting the other side, and he said, Nobody knows for sure, but they think this spot, we were at the Jordan River, some of the people wanted to be baptized, so I, I, I got in there and baptized them, and it was muddy as everything, but I sure was glad because it was really hot out there. I mean, really hot, and, and that water was good and cold. It felt, felt really good. <laughs> I wanted to stay there for a little bit. 
But he said, we're not, they're not for sure, but all, all the records that they can come up with, this is close to or, or the spot where actually they crossed the River Jordan. They said, also, many think this is the same spot that Jesus, that John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And he and then he began to explain to us, and this may help some of y'all, that the Hebrew world is circular. We're linear. And he said, it's really it's sort of interesting fact that the water stacked up back to Adam, the first Adam. You go to Romans, the first Adam. The second Adam, Jesus Christ being baptized. You know, that's just something sort of interesting. And, you, and when you think, and, and I started thinking about that, and then I started going to the Bible and reading, hey, where did sin first come into the world? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Where was the cup drank, and where did Jesus drink the cup and took sin upon himself? He didn't become sin. He took sin upon himself. Where was it? Garden of Eden. I mean, Garden of Gethsemane. Circular. If you start reading the Bible, you'll start seeing a lot of a lot of that in there. That's just something I throwed in there. That doesn't cost you anything tonight. <laughs> I don't think it's costing you anything anyway, but anyway. And, but I want you to notice something here. It was they were to follow the ark. <laughs> I don't know think it's costing you anything anyway, but anyway. And, but I want you to notice something here. It was, they were to follow the ark. What were they following? They were following the spirit of God, the spirit and the power of God. Now, you see, when Jesus died on the cross, and we just celebrated it a couple of Sundays ago, we celebrated his resurrection. When Jesus died on that cross, Solomon had built, they didn't no longer use the tabernacle that had been in the wilderness. They had built a temple. That curtain that where the Ark of the Covenant, the power and the presence of God was, was about three feet thick and around 20 feet tall if, if all the chronological reports that we read that we come up with. And when Jesus looked up to heaven... And said, it is finished. And his head slumped to his chest. There was a great earthquake. And that curtain was split from top to bottom. Because God said, no longer I'm on a tabernacle inside of a building. But I will tabernacle and make my presence and make my abode with my man that I created. Now, see, they had to follow the presence of God. We have the power of God on the inside of us. You've got, you got to learn how to train yourself to listen to the human spirit. In fact, my book's, dad's got a book out there about how to train the human spirit. You see, we are a spirit being. We have a body. We, <laughs> we, we're a spirit, soul, and body. That's what Paul says. We, you know, we have a body. We live in a body. Our spirit does. Our mind Spirit, soul, that's your mind. Your mind is your soulless part of you and your spirit's on the inside. That's why if you know, if you know how to follow the spirit, talks about in the morning sometimes, but uh, she always talks about me, but many times, <laughs> your spirit, God's trying to get you to go somewhere. 
I, I don't know my wife, I don't know what she talks about in the morning sometimes, but uh, she always talks about me. But many times, <laughs> did she talk about me this morning? <laughs> yes, uh, well, uh, she usually tells us stuff, but I know, uh, you know, she, the other one, one day she was leaving the office and right down from our office is, is, uh, I call it 145th street. They changed it. That's what it is, but it's also got another name, what is Aspen and 71st street. There's a signal light there. And she had left the office, which we're about a, it's about a half a mile to that signal light from our office and uh, she could see the light was green and so she was continuing to go and she said something on the just come to her slow down slow down well she did and just she just got to the intersection a car came through about 100 miles an hour run the red light from the other side went right in front of her if she had been going the same speed it would hit her right in the driver's door so it's always coincidence. No, that's the spirit. That's you got to learn. I, I know when it's going home from the office, sometimes, sometimes I go in early and then because uh, I have to teach or something, and sometimes she has appointments and she'll go in early and then I'll come in a little later. And we both had our cars there. And so I'm in front of her, and she calls me on my phone, and she says, I don't know why, but I'm not going to go home the way we normally go. I said, well, hey, I'm not either. I made a little... <laughs> I made a left-hand turn. <laughs> now, did something happen? I don't know. Or it would have something happened? I don't know. But you've got to learn how to know and follow the Spirit. Don't, see, they were following the Spirit of God. And it's when, they, those, when their feet touched the water, something happened. See, many people wait till something happens and then they start. No, the minute you begin to see something coming, you start immediately talking to it by the word of God, saying the word of God. No weapon fought against me will prosper. You, you got to learn how to do that. It, here, here they are. And they went across on, until the riverbed dried up. They went across on dry land. Now, there they are. Here they are. They're crossing into the promised land. They're doing what God said do. God said go. They, and they start, they went into a, those priests. Joshua told them, said, go into the water. That's what God said to do. And they, they believed God and they stepped in the water. Then something happened. Sometimes some of you need to quit sitting still and, and saying, oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, help me. You need to start walking toward the situation. You know, you can sit down all you want to. Oh, God, bless me. Help me. Bless me. Well, I, I tell you what, get up and do something about getting blessed. Do something. Some people won't be blessed. They had never give a dollar in an offering. Some people won't be blessed and they won't even work. Come on now. Some of us say, well, we want God to do it. Hey, sometimes you've got to do something, then God will take it. He'll take it a step further. If you'll take one step, he'll take four. And you just follow him. Come on. You know, my, my dad used to say that all the time. He, he'd, say, he'd say, you know, start, start doing something. You know, 
I tell people at the office all the time, I say, they say, well, we don't know. I say, well, do something. We can, we can, we can, it's easier to correct something than it is to get somebody to do something sometimes. How come I'm getting off on that? (laughs) I'm sorry, pastor. (laughs) But that's, that's what I come. I just, sometimes I just say whatever I feel like the Lord wants me to say. Let's get back to what we're talking about here. We're talking about this. Now, here is these children of Israel. These people are the young people that had to spend time in the wilderness because their ancestors refused to follow God. Come on now. Now, let me tell you what. They were still part of the children of God. They still got a blessing. They just didn't get the blessing they could have got. Come on now. He said, if you go read Numbers 13 and 14, he said, how long will I put up with this faithless bunch? I'm just paraphrasing 2018 language, but that's what he said, 19 language. That's what he said. And there they were. See, you can, you can refuse, you can be born again, filled with the spirit and refuse to do anything that the word says. You're still going to go to heaven, but you're going to have a miserable time doing it because the devil's going to run all over you. The Bible says that Jesus wants us to have life and have it more abundant. Well, it's not abundant life when when you're living on barely getting Long Street right next door to Grumble Alley with the top of your hat wore out, the sole of your shoes wore out, and you see the britches so thin they're shining. That's That's not living a good life. God don't want you down there. He wants to bless you and bring you up. But you're going to have to believe him and follow him. Now, here they were. They said, hey, we're tired of this. We're going to the promised land. They went to the promised land. Whoa, that's a great time. In fact, they built a a stone altar so that that could be remembered always. So what happened there? But they crossed by a city called Jericho. Now they are facing the great in the greatest walled hist- uh, hi- uh, the greatest walled city that history knows about. In fact, some of the historians say that two chariots could ride around the top of the wall side by side. The walls were so thick. They say that no army ever took that city. Now they get over there and they camped, and there it is, right in front of them. Oh, God, why'd you bring us over here for now? (laughs) That's what happens to some people. Because I want to tell you what. Every time you have a great victory, the devil is going to be there to slap you around. And that's when you got to say, hey, God did it once. He'll do it again. Hello. When, the, when, when they started thinking that way, somebody said, well, you saw God brought us across a flooded river. He can sure take care of us here. Yeah. Now, Joshua gets them all together. And he says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what God said. God said, we're going to march around that city one time a day for six days. And if you read it, he tells them they, to be quiet. Nobody say nothing. I got to thinking about it. Well, I wonder, why, you know. Probably the reason God told them to be quiet because they, they'd be start walking and somebody said, what are we doing this for? This is dumb. One by one. <laughs> Come on now. They were people just like us. 
But he said on that seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. On that seventh time, we're going to throw dirt in the air. We're going to blow horns. We're going to scream. We're going to yell. We're going to holler. And the walls are going to come down. I'm sure some of those guys thought, boy, this is not very much of a battle plan. You know, I spent three years in Uncle Sam's Army, and I was trained, and I went into into the Army Security Agency and did a lot of top-secret crypto clearance, and I did a lot of that stuff. But in our training, I mean, you know, that's I'm sure some of those some of those guys thought this is about the craziest thing I've heard of. <laughs> you ever notice sometimes when God says something to us it, in the natural, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It didn't make sense to go into that that river, but when they did it, God came through. Yeah. It didn't make sense to march around that city. I'm sure the people looked over the wall and said, "Man, them people are crazy." What do they think they're doing anyway? They didn't know that six days from then, they ain't gonna, they're not going to be in existence anymore. But there they are. Now they, and it says that the, the walls came down. And uh, I've been doing some research about this, and there's been some research lately that says the walls either had to implode because they couldn't fall this way because they'd have fell down on the people. There is some archaeological findings and some things they're saying now. Actually, some of them, some of the archaeologists are saying the walls sunk. They just sunk. On Anybody read any of some of that stuff? It's just some of that archaeological stuff just come out oh, about, five, about five months ago, I think, is when I read it. I don't know when it started coming. But, hey... Uh, that would make that would make a lot of sense right there. Either they had to go in this way because they couldn't fall this way. They're gonna fall on them people. They they're down there shouting and throwing dirt in the air and jumping and hollering and slapping one another on the back. Say, whoa, look at that! Look at that! Look what's going on! Wow! Come on now. Somebody say, how do you know that? Well, they're people. And I know people. I'm one of them. I would, if I'd have been there, I'd have been jumping. Whoa, look, man, man. Hey, buddy, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Come on, don't look at me like that. You didn't do the same thing, right? Come on now. But see, that's the Joshua generation. They're not afraid of the obstacles. They're not afraid of the enemy. They're not afraid of the giants. I got another sermon I preach sometime called Giants or Grapes. You can, either, you, you can either eat the grapes or, or run from the giants, whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the reasons that they, they, that old generation didn't go in. They got afraid of the giants. They get over The Only two people from the old generation went in. It was Caleb and Joshua because they said, you read it there in Numbers 13, 14, they said, we can. And Caleb now, 40 years later, he goes to Joshua they had taken Jericho and they had taken and Joshua starts dividing the land among all the tribes and Caleb go to Joshua and said, give me that mountain. Moses said, I could have that mountain. I want that mountain. Joshua said, I got the giants, Caleb. You're 85 now. And old Caleb said, hey, I'm just as good as I was and God is with me and we'll t- I can take the giants. 
See, you got to get to the point that you believe that you can take the giants that the devil throws. When he throws the giants in your way, you can just walk right over them. David, he went out again. Nobody would go against the giant. This 17-year-old kid went out there. Why? Not because in his own power. He said, he told that giant, that giant told him, said, I'm going to take your head off all that. David just, David just let him talk and kept walking toward him. And then he, he took that sling and he started swinging that thing around his head. And he told that giant, he said, he said, I don't come to you in my own strength, but I come to you in the strength of the Lord God, Jehovah. And this day, I'm going to take your head off. <laughs> See, that's what you got to do when you walk toward the giants that get in your, in your life. When the devil brings junk, when he brings a flooded river, you know, the Bible says that the devil come in like a flood, but he would raise up a standard against him. You got to believe it. Amen. Come on now. Joshua generation people are not afraid of what the devil going to do. I mean, you know, my dad was preaching about, about 1957 out in California. And they had such a flu epidemic that they were closing the schools and some of the, some of the offices had shut, shut down. One factory had shut down because it was so bad. And they'd been having, you know, he, had, he always had a morning service and they'd been having, you know, maybe 200, 300 people. That morning there was, there was uh, 10 people in there and five of them were preachers. <laughs> and so after his own... My dad was this way. He told me, he said, son, he said, if there's five or 5,000, give them the whole load. Preach to them. So I do that. It don't matter. A crowd don't bother me none at all. I mean, <laughs> and so they were standing around the piano afterwards. And one of the guys said, well, I'm really feeling bad. I'm going to go home and get ready for the flu. Aren't you going to shut this meeting down, brother? No, I ain't going to shut the meeting down. I'm not going to get the flu. Oh, that one of the preachers, he said, he said, oh, I wouldn't say that if I was you, the devil might hear you. And dad said, that's the very dude I want to hear. <laughs> See, you, you got to let the devil know that you're not afraid of him. Right. Because the word of God says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. <laughs> the Joshua generation is not, not afraid to stand up for what God said and take the word of God and go conquer their world. Come on now. The Joshua. See, hey, we got to realize, God, if, if, he, if he did it once, he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. See, God, he took them through the, he took them through, through the River Jordan. He gave them Jericho. And if you'll read the whole history, they took that land. That Joshua generation took it. Come on. You know what? I want, how many of y'all are ready to be a part of the Joshua generation? The Joshua generation says, God did it once. He'll do it again. And I'm a part of that Joshua generation. Oh, y'all gonna sing it? Come on. Right now it seems there's no way out and you're 
the Bible says it. I believe that that settles it. I've been a part of the Joshua generation all my life. I want to encourage you to be a part of the Joshua generation that's not afraid to go out and stare the devil in the face and say, you have no right, you have no authority in my life. Get out of here according to the Word of God. We have authority, the authority of the believer. Know who you are in Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, that's my favorite subject to teach at school is in him realities. When you find out who you are in God, then you'll be a part of that Joshua generation that's not afraid to put your foot in the river, that's not afraid to go against the giant, that's not afraid to go out and take your promised land. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Glory to God. I want you to determine tonight from this night on, I'm going to be a part of the Joshua generation and everybody that I see, I'm going to tell them about it. I want to get them going with me. Amen. Glory to God. That's what we need. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to be that Joshua generation that's not afraid of the devil. I see so many people nowadays, oh, they're in fear, everything. I, they say, aren't you in fear? No, I'm not in fear. God is in, God is my God. And if he could take care of those Israelites, he could take care of me. Because I am, I am born again by the power of God. That same power that delivered them is the same power that will deliver you. God. I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy. I'm excited about the future. Somebody said, well, what's the future? Oh, I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about because God has hold of the future, and I'm just following him. Wherever he leads, that's where I'm going. And I know it's going to be good because he don't have no bad. <laughs> it's the devil that has all the bad stuff. God's got the good stuff. I'm going to stay on his side. Hey, hey, something coming down, I'm on God's side. Because he's going to say, hey, I got you, bud. Just keep believing me. Some people get out of faith when, they, when something happens and the trial comes. That's when you've got to stand the strongest ever. It's easy to believe God when everything's going good. But I want to tell you what, whenever the devil's coming in and he's stealing everything from you and everything going bad, that's when you find out if you're really a part of the Joshua generation. They found out if they really believed God when they went in that river. They found out as they took that promised land, they found out if they believe, really believed God or not. It wasn't easy. You go read their history. It wasn't easy, but they took it. Why? Because they believed God. You can take your land if you believe God. Your promised land is your good life down here. The Word of God says it. Amen. Glory to God. Well, bow your heads for just a moment, please. I never like to preach a message that I don't give an opportunity for somebody to either find Jesus for the first time